Hey friend, what's up? Welcome to the Balance with Sam podcast. It's me, Sam, a former nine to fiver turned entrepreneur. I am a fat loss and mindset coach, the creator of Fit and Free, a 60 day mind body transformation program and soon to be monthly membership, the co-author of Balanced Eats Cookbook and a co-host of the Decades of Strength podcast with three other beautiful women. My greatest passion is helping you see how powerful and badass you truly are. I'm here speaking to you today to remind you that whatever you desire and dream of can be yours. I know it's possible for you because I did it for myself and I do it for all of my clients every day. And you guys, we are all the same. We are all scared to step into the unfamiliar and unknown. But hey, guess what? Everything we want is on the other side of fear. How else do you think I quit my secure 9-to-5 job, left corporate America, built my coaching business up from $0, actually $150,000 worth of student debt, lost 30 pounds, and changed my entire physique? I had to take so many leaps into the scary and unknown, but I trusted in myself and believed it was possible, and now I have it. If you want my secrets on how to successfully create your dream body in life and how to start grabbing life by the freaking horn so you can show up as your most authentic badass self, you're in the right place. I am so excited that you're here listening. And if you love this podcast, please head over to the iTunes store to rate and review. You guys are the heartbeat of the podcast. And the more that you share it with your friends, the more I can help empower you and the world. I love you guys so much. Thank you for your support and for taking time out of your day to tune in and listen. All right, let's dive into the episode now. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that supporting your health can be as easy as taking two capsules a day? Each daily dose of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is formulated with 24 scientifically studied probiotic strains that support gut, skin, and heart health helping you start the new year off right. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code Spotify 25 to get 25% off your first month. Alrighty, on today's episode, I have a very special person. You guys may have seen her make an appearance in my stories a few weeks ago while we were in Sweden. I have one of my now good friends and old clients, Kira Chester-Paul. Hi, Kira. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I am amazing. I'm so excited that we are finally making this happen and filling in everyone on the amazing feats that you have, you know, overcome. <laughs> um, so for everyone listening, if people don't know who you are, which they should by now, I mean, come on, um, but let's, <laughs> let's kind of dive into a little bit about who you are, what you did, um, you know, all the things and just kind of give everyone a brief bio of, you know, who Kira is. Yeah, well, um, I was a client of yours until about a week ago. <laughs> um, and I worked, I worked with uh, you for about just under almost two years, I want to say a year and a half to two years. And in that time, we really um, worked on uh, my obstacle course racing, which I My first really long distance one was about three years ago. And then in the time working with you, I did a few uh, 30, I think it was that I, well, maybe I only finished one 30 mile. (laughs) I had a couple failures. Um, And then I did two 24 hour uh, obstacle course races as well, which I finished um, both of those. 
so um yeah <laughs> amazing and so today I wanted to have Kira on the episode because for those of you who that watched my stories you guys were all super enthused and excited for her and thought she was a total badass and it's all the things I think about her as well and I wanted to get a kind of behind the scenes look at her mental prep her physical prep um, leading up to this race and then kind of use the race as a metaphor for life, really, and as a way for you all to basically tackle obstacles in your life head on um, and putting fear to the side. And Kira has done an incredible job at doing that only through working on herself and working on her physical self, her mental self. Um, And now she's here. She did the 24-hour race. She ran 30 freaking miles in like seven-degree weather in Sweden, (laughs) ran up a mountain in the snow. And she lived to tell. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a beautiful, it's been a beautiful thing to witness you do that. And I also think it's just totally inspiring to everyone that, that meets you. <laughs> well, thank you for all the, uh, the kind words. It really, um, it means a lot to me. And um, I, I really liked what you were saying about about it being a metaphor for life because in many ways obstacle course racing is the most literal metaphor for obstacles in life because you are literally running into obstacles while you're just trying to run your race and um the the mental prep you know I originally we talked about this on a a podcast um previously but I really started this because it was, I was very fear-based and I really wanted to fight that and I really wanted to grow. And so looking at this race, I took a lot of what, you know, the lessons I'd learned from previous races and applied those lessons and the, all the things that I'd learned previously into tackling this race. And so, you know, preparation was really one of the big takeaways from previously and there was a lot, you know, gear, just the gear that I hadn't done as well on a previous event because I didn't have the proper gear. Um, the mental prep that goes into it, because sometimes, especially in a 24-hour race, there's actually boredom. Um, you know, you're running all day from noon to noon and overnight and it's dark and cold and you're on a mountain by yourself and you're running <laughs> and, you know, fighting the so at some point you sort of lose interest in the goal. You're like, why did I even think coming to Sweden in the first place was going to be fun? And in the middle of the night, you're kind of, you know, but then it sort of continually re-inspiring yourself to keep going and reminding yourself why you set this goal in the first place. Um, so the mental, you know, cause that you, I think sometimes you think, and I've been really focused on the, this is so hard aspect of a goal and the fear of the goal. And then kind of, I've really moved past that in the past couple years to where I'm realizing that now there's new challenges that are being presented. And boredom is actually an interesting one that's come up. Um, And I think that that, if you look at the metaphor for life, that happens really with every goal that takes a long time to achieve is you kind of fluctuate an interest. And so finding a way and having a strategy in place beforehand about what you're going to do or say to yourself or what actions you'll take or what snacks you'll have that'll provide enough interest or whatever it is that that really keeps you motivated during those times when it does get harder or less interesting. Yeah. I love that. I'm in a very similar, um, 
it's funny you talk about boredom because, you know, when you, it, it's comparable to fat loss. I think we talked about, yeah. right? Like the, the place of maintenance when mm-hmm. you yeah, get yeah. there or you're doing the thing, mm-hmm. like now what, you know, yeah. and, and that question is, can be really scary and off-putting Yeah, when you get to a place and then you're like, wait, uh, what do I do that I'm here? Like, yeah, yeah, we, we talked about this a up. lot yeah. in, in, our, in our trip to Sweden, which I want to go into how we even ended up in Sweden <laughs> in a moment. But um, yeah, really talking about, okay, you've been striving to achieve this goal for months or even years in some cases, and then you get there and you realize, okay, now I'm here, but I've spent the last, you know, whatever amount of time in a struggle to get somewhere without really realizing that maybe you know the destination is great and it's really great to achieve that goal but kind of thinking about the the path to get there sometimes is is just as important and just as significant and meaningful yeah and i'd argue that it's actually more important yeah because when if you if you think of your life as an obstacle course race yeah right it's like it's not that the most exciting part is being on your deathbed about to die, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah. Things that make up your life that mm-hmm. creates a fulfilling, happy, and healthy, whatever life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, everyone, we all have these like outcome based goals mm-hmm. until we have an outcome based goal and we don't meet it or we yeah. fail and fail and fail and realize that we actually never failed. We just had the wrong goal. Well, I actually, I, so I straight up was not able to complete two races this year. And I actually think I learned more from those two races than any other race that I actually successfully finished. Cause looking at those races and saying, okay, where was my, where was I lacking in preparation? Where was I lacking in food or nutrition or in sleep or in, you know, mental, just great. Well, I guess, I mean, I literally hit muscle failure at one point. So, but just looking at, you know, what it was that I took away from those failures, I think actually prepared me even better for Sweden than the races that I was able to finish this year. Yeah. It was a huge lesson. Yeah. Do you think that you would have been able to finish Sweden this year if you hadn't have failed those past races? I don't know. I think, you know, while I, I think I'd, want to say maybe it would have been possible I really do want to attribute a lot of the success from those failures or attribute the success at in my race in Sweden to those failures because it really told me you need to get your act together you really need to dial in the gear you really need to take the training seriously and the sleep and the nutrition I think were huge for me because I was not sleeping enough before the race mm-hmm. the first race that I failed and so that was a really big um, sort of a wake-up call, I guess. Um, you know, that being said, I don't know if I would have finished that race anyway, but it was a good, a really good wake-up call to say, you need to take this race really seriously. Because um, it, it was a grueling race. It was, it was 24 hours. It was um, laps. It was uh, however many five-mile laps you could finish in a 24-hour period. And you, each individual lap consisted of 25 obstacles and you went straight up, essentially straight up a mountain and then back down. That was one lap. So it was very time consuming, the slowest mile (laughs) you're ever going to run. And, um, you know, it really was a race that I needed to take seriously because if my gear wasn't in good 
condition or if it wasn't the right gear, A, they'd kick me out of the race, but more seriously, I could have had some cold injuries or something from from that. So really dialing in the gear and the nutrition to sustain me for, you know, the whole 24 hours. Um, and it wasn't just the nutrition the day of, it was the nutrition before and after and the sleep before and after and hydration. And it was really it was a, a really good lesson to learn from previous races of what worked and what didn't. Yeah. I think it, it goes parallel with what a lot of people struggle with when they set any goal, right? Like whether it's a fitness goal, a health goal, a financial goal, anything where you kind of have to have that low, right? Mm-hmm. To, to realize like, you know, oh shit, I got to get my shit together. You know, like, I yeah. yeah. what am I doing? I'm sick of, I'm sick of this, you know? Yeah you start to get like upset with yourself because Mm -hmm. you know that you're not performing or doing your best. Yeah. Like for me personally, that is the thing that eats me alive at at night when I go to sleep. If I feel that way. Yeah. From performing at your best. And maybe for you, I'm not sure. Is that something that you experienced in past races where you may have given your best course, but the prep maybe was not as best as you could have done? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think I'm a very competitive person, but it comes out in an interesting way because I don't really care what other people are doing. And it makes me really happy if other people are doing really well. But if I'm not living up to the standards I set for myself or where I think I personally should be, that's when I start getting really frustrated. So it's kind of, I am very competitive, but it's an internal competition. And I think, um, you know, I really, in reflecting at my previous races, specifically um, where I did fail, the, the a couple of things that I really was looking at, what could I have done? And I think sleep was the biggest thing. And I think, you know, taking the upper body training a little more seriously and then grip strength, um, because with those races to finish, you really had, you couldn't fail many obstacles. You really had to be walking the spine sort of razor's edge of you had to hit every obstacle you had to hit a certain mileage pace which I was not hitting and I was failing obstacles and that that was part of my strategy was okay I fail a certain obst- certain number of obstacles that I then I reserve that strength for something else but I think if I had done more strength training and that you know failing obstacles hadn't been my strategy <laughs> it would have been much more successful and I I did change that for Sweden I did end up failing obstacles in Sweden as well but my grip strength and upper body strength preparation I took much more seriously going into Sweden and I took the sleep especially the week before very serious you know I prioritized it over everything if it was you know and you can't obviously live like that constantly but I think at least once or twice a week you need to just drop everything and just get enough sleep um because I don't think any of us are sleeping enough but and I, it's it's a balance though because you can't sleep 12 hours a night every night and still do everything we need to do in modern society and have a so you know a, a healthy social life and a you know like we need to be realistic about it but at the same time you know once or twice a week I will drop everything and sleep for 10 to 12 hours <laughs> and honestly it makes me so much more productive and it makes my relationship so much better um you know there are nights when I'm sleeping four to four or so hours but I try not to to do that in some day you know realistically sometimes I'm gonna have to be like that but ideally at least prioritizing it 
for me, I found once or twice a week getting a real long block of sleep is what's driving a lot of successors too, I think. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing you say is like, you do the best you can with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, that's all that you can do. Like, it's all that anyone- Life is going to throw these obstacles at you. I mean, you're not going to have this perfect, like, life ever, really. And if you do enjoy it while it lasts. (laughs) I think also part of this whole thing, too, is that to be prepared for Mm -hmm. these just like you went into space prepared for them, right? Like knowing the monster you're going to be fighting. And I think previously, especially operating out of fear, it was almost a strategy to to look at it and be like, I'm just not going to know what I'm fighting here. And it's going to help sort of soothe the anxiety. And, you know, that works for some amount of time. But then I kind of realized that's a terrible strategy. If you really <laughs> want to conquer it, you have to know what you're getting yourself into. But it took me quite a while to get to where I was even comfortable, um, you know, looking into the, the monster, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's a good this is a good point to kind of talk about why and rewind, you know, back a year or so or whatever you mm-hmm. first thought about tackling this monster of Sweden and you know why you wanted to do it and what it meant and then we can kind of go through leading up to the race, the race and, and post race and now where we're at now. Yeah. So this uh I actually I think it was October, November last year, I ran a different 24-hour race, um, and it was in Georgia in October or something, and the weather the whole week leading up to it said 50 degrees, 50 degrees, 50 degrees, 50 degrees, race day, 30 degrees, surprise, and I was totally unprepared for that type of weather, and, you know, I'd even trained a little in the cold, like with training my body to handle cold and I knew I could handle 50 degree weather because there were water obstacles in that race as well and I didn't really look into a wetsuit that was going to be warm enough for cold temperatures and I didn't really I did the nutrition and I did the sleep but I didn't really the gear I didn't really prepare for just what in case just the sort of just in case it gets colder and I get there and it's 30 degrees and I was freezing and I had set this lofty goal of 60 miles and I finished 30 miles. So I finished the race, but you know, I, I took a lot of time off in the tent huddling for warmth. I went to the medical tent and stood by the heater and warmed up and I left at like 25 minutes. The cutoff was half an hour. And I, you know, I, I finished, I had the grit to finish, but I basically made the call that I couldn't keep myself safe on the course. Um, Cause I couldn't keep myself warm enough. And that was, I was upset after because I knew I had miles left in me I could have run and I couldn't run them because I needed to prioritize my, you know, fingers and toes over <laughs> like swimming. Because you were, you were swimming, you'd swim under barrels, you'd like, you were, you'd jump into water, you, you were in 33 degree water. So it was a degree above freezing and you really... Um, you couldn't avoid it. And so leaving that, I was really upset with myself that if I'd just done better research on the gear, um, I could have, you know, done, I don't know if I would have hit 60, but I would have certainly hit more than the 30 miles that I hit. And, you know, so then I, I hadn't really thought at that point, um, past that race, like what my next goal was going to be specifically. I mean, I have a million possible goals floating in my head constantly. 
but then actually setting the next goal. I didn't know what the next goal was going to be, and I thought about it, and I really wanted to tackle another 24-hour race um, that I could really do the research with gear and see if I have all the adequate preparations. How far can I push myself? And starting to move past the, okay, I'm scared. I just have to go face the fear to the, I'm not really scared anymore. I need to go see how far I can push myself. And, you know, and that took years to get to that point, but it's a really cool um, point to have gotten to. So I thought about it and I set, um, you know, I set the goal to do the 24 hour race, which I originally thought was going to be in Iceland. And then like a couple months before <laughs> I realized, no, it's actually Sweden. But um, I was still preparing and thinking about the cold weather um, was going to be a huge factor and the elevation change was going to be a huge factor. And, you know, making my training fit accordingly. So taking ice baths to, cause it was, you know, forties, fifties here in Boston at that point. So having to make an artificial cold environment, I took cold showers. Oh, it was awful for months. <laughs> I took ice baths. I did so many burpees. And then I, you know, all the food that I was planning on eating during my race, I ate in advance to see, to see how my body would tolerate it um, during exercise and, and after. So, and before, you know, the whole, the whole process before, during, and after. And yeah, so I think gear-wise, if anything, I was actually over-prepared. I had, like, a suitcase full of snacks and batteries. and Her suitcase looked like a body bag. It, <laughs> like, came off the plane. I'm like, what is that? It, 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 it's as big as me. You know, it's as big as you. It's like, it's like a four-foot-something thing. It's you. <laughs> yeah, it had just, like, so, and I, you know, I didn't even use most of it, but I'm glad I had it. I definitely learned the lesson to, to take the gear seriously, because, you know, the, it wouldn't necessarily have saved my life in this situation, but in some situations, I think it really, your life can depend on that gear, what you have. For sure. And yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So that's a little bit of the pre-story before mm -hmm. the race. So you found the race, you picked it, we did the <laughs> training. Um, and then let's talk about, you know, the week or two weeks, whatever, leading up to the race and kind of what was going through your head, um, how you felt comparable to previous races and where okay. your head was at so I think it's necessary to disclose how we ended up in Sweden <laughs> together at this yeah, yeah yeah this is a good story um, <laughs> so I knew I was gonna uh, be running this race I think in June maybe July I'd set this goal and we actually no I think it was way earlier I think we set this goal last December we had a debrief from the year meeting we set the goal we came up with a race schedule plan and you know, and the races leading, that would be leading up to Sweden throughout the year. And then in August, I asked my brother if he would be able to accompany me to Sweden to be my pit crew. Um, and the pit crew is oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. someone that helps give you snacks and pep talks and helps you with whatever you might carry your gear out and like all the things that you may need during and after and before the race. And he and his uh, childhood friend had promised me that they would be coming to Sweden, they'd be my pit crew, they'd support me. And two weeks, exactly two weeks, I think, before the race, my brother and his friend backed out and said it was just, they had just had too much going on. It was just gonna be too much for them to be able to go um, to Sweden. <laughs> and so I, you know, was thinking, I just didn't think it was realistic for me to be able to do this race by myself, but I was going to this race. I'd been training too hard and too long. 
And so my brother and I came up with a scheme that he would help pay for your, because it was such a last minute thing. And I'd done this terrible thing where I asked you and then uninvited you <laughs> to take my brother. <laughs> and then came back two weeks before race time saying, um, Sam, would you possibly be able to come to Sweden now? <laughs> and you, absolutely amazing. You said, I, I think I can make this work. And, you know, so my brother was going to pay for your ticket and then, the room and everything was already booked and then um and then you uh had a friend in London who was going to be coming to Boston at some point to visit and then instead she came to Sweden so now suddenly instead of my brother and his best friend I have two professional coaches <laughs> in Sweden helping me prepare and you know it's funny I I felt more prepared for this race than I ever had for any other race. I thought that the training was adequate. I thought the nutrition, the sleep, the hydration, the gear, all of that. And then the day before, the day I was leaving for my race, I I just freaked out. I was like, this is so scary. I'm about to go to Sweden. It's the world championships and there's going to be issues. It's going to be cold. I don't need... And I just, I got so worried. And then I literally, I just made myself, you know, I said, okay, you can pack, you make a packing list, put everything in, you have your packing list. You just have to go to the airport and you're know, breaking it down into components saying, okay, you just have to go to the airport. Okay, you just have to find your gate. You just have to get on your flight. You just have to sit here. <laughs> and then I met you on the plane. We took, I took like three planes, I think, or something on the plane going to where we were. And then, um, I seeing you on the plane, I just felt that everything was going to be okay. And then for basically from that moment on, it just, I, I don't know, I just didn't really feel nervous anymore. Um, I mean, it was still like a healthy dose of nerves, but not this sort of panic that I'd been feeling when going to the airport. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, no, it was, it was really, um, it was a, an interesting thing, but it was just this, panic the day before and then it was gone really the rest of the weekend and the rest of the race yeah. and the starting line it was cold but I was there was a man standing there like half naked in a spartan outfit <laughs> and like shirtless with like a kilt like a kilt yeah like a metallic yeah and seeing him I was like okay I'm wearing two layers or three layers or whatever it was at the time if he can stand there like that I can stand here <laughs> like this mm -hmm. and um you know, really just pacing myself and strategizing how to finish each lap and how to, you know, get through them, you know, layers wise, making sure that I was always just a tiny bit cold, not uncomfortable or scary cold, but never sweating or letting any moisture build up because that could, that could start getting pretty dangerous later, um, especially as the race goes on and I'm outside for longer and longer and longer in the cold. Um, but no, I think I'd really, I'd, I've spent so many years intentionally finding things that scare me and then doing them to the point where this race was a huge challenge, but it, like we were saying before, was the problem actually became sort of the boredom of the repetition, that each lap had this exact same obstacles, that each lap I was going up the mountain and then down the mountain <laughs> and sort of being comfortable with the fact that this was just going to be my life for the next 24 hours and and finding ways to keep myself focused and motivated and entertained for lack of a better way to say it <laughs> yeah I love that there's so many golden nuggets that I want to dive into but um, <laughs> I think what what you're saying really is just like 
making sure to have fun. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah. Throughout the boredom, throughout the monotonous, the mundane, it's like mm-hmm. you have to find ways to make the ordinary feel more fun. You know, yeah. like it's, you know, <laughs> Kira's food was a lot of carbs and sugar because she needed it, right? Mm-hmm. So, her stroop waffle was like something she looked forward to. <laughs> and it's like, you know, whether whether it's her and her stroop waffle on this obstacle course race, or it's you listening and it's, you know, a nice shirt you buy for yourself because you you hit a goal. It's like you have to have something to Yeah. Have, like you have to create that for yourself. It mm-hmm. doesn't come from anywhere else. It's it's all self-created. And kind of what I'm hearing you say is like you have to just remind yourself that it's okay to be bored, but like yeah. you also have the option to like insert some more fun into those yeah. times where it's like, I've had the same meal every day for the past five years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm still running this damn lap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's um you make a good point, you know, being okay with the boredom and being okay with really anything. Like if you're excited or if you're really mad or really sad, like kind of sitting with that and being okay with that and saying you know, it'll pass soon. I'm going to be really excited or soon I'm going to be bored again or whatever it is. But, you know, another thing too, that's really interesting is right when you think you have it all dialed in and good to go, you change or something changes. And one thing that was so funny is Swedish fish for the past, I I don't even years has always been something I'm reliably craving in the middle of every race. It's always my surprise snack. And during this race, I didn't, I, the thought of Swedish fish just was not appealing. And I had (laughs) chips this time. Suddenly it was potato chips that were like the thing I needed. (laughs) And so it is really interesting that taking note of just how much you change or fluctuate over time, that even if it's the same five laps you're doing that you feel so different every lap or that you do different obstacles differently each lap in a very small, subtle way. Um, so noticing too how you change over time and was a really interesting thing to observe. <laughs> I think something else that you had touched upon that I kind of want to dive into too is um, all of the self-talk, right? Like mm-hmm. the pep talks you had with yourself, the ones we've had, but more so like when you're on your own and you're, you're living your life, you're running your race, yeah. um, you do a lot of check-ins with yourself. I do. Yeah. I think that is responsible for much of your success in life is that you have a, you have very, very high self-awareness and when you know yourself, you know yourself, like you know how to succeed, you know how you could possibly fail, right? Mm -hmm. You know, your patterns, you start to observe yourself and you get better because without, when you yeah. don't know yourself, you can't get, you can't change. You can't get better. Yeah. You don't know you have a piece of broccoli sticking in front of your teeth. <laughs> like you're just going to leave yeah. it. And <laughs> so I guess like something that I, I would like to know, and maybe um, you could share with us or if I'm not even sure if you know, but it's like, what is responsible for helping you cultivate that self-awareness or like, are there things you could recommend to everyone listening that have helped you gain more self-awareness um, in your everyday life or maybe things you've done to just help you know yourself better? Yeah, interesting. Um, well, the first thing that really comes to mind is, you know, I'm very, I'm very social. I have friends and family, but I, 
I spend a fair amount of time alone and at different points in my life I've spent varying amounts of time alone and you know in certain phases I really couldn't I get 10 minutes alone a day in the shower so I started taking very long showers in those phases but you know I throughout my life I've always kind of searched for some amounts of solitude and I think that's really important is to be comfortable with silence sometimes and be comfortable with yourself but like being by yourself and that you don't always have to be with other people um you know and it it is very important obviously to have really strong relationships and strong social connections but to also give yourself the chance because that's the only time you're going to really be able to hear what you're trying to say to yourself is if you do give your time yourself enough time to be alone and that however much time is needed is going to really vary person to person but i found that i need a lot more time by myself than most people i guess or the people that i most people that i know um and yeah and i so i found you know i've i've sought out sort of solitary sports like running and yoga and horseback riding are all sports that are very individual sports um and they, they all have a social component as well but yeah i think just finding time to be alone and and face, you know, sometimes it's uncomfortable or sometimes you like don't want to hear the message your body's trying to tell you. For example, the week before Sweden, I felt pretty sick and, you know, normally I could have plowed through the day and I just decided, especially with my big race coming up, I spent, the, I called off work and spent the entire day in bed. I did not, I left my bed to go to the grocery store to buy soup, I think. Yeah. And <laughs> it was like, I didn't get, you know, I, I was at this the point where I could have either gotten, I think, really sick or not. And because I took the entire day and just lay in bed, um, I wasn't sick at all. And I was ready to go for Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and I check in, I do actually a monthly, I, I try to do every month. Um, some months I'm better than others, but um, I try to do a monthly self check-in where I literally have a series of questions that are written out and I have to write them out the responses to the questions and look at have I hit the goals that I'd set at the beginning of last month and if I have that's great what did I do right and if I haven't what did I do wrong and then looking at I kind of broke it down and it's a constantly evolving thing but I have like a list of I have like a schedule which is like daily goals long-term goals and then the monthly self-check-in that I use to look at it and I put really everything I want to get done that month on it and that includes like you know relationships if I want to spend more time or less time <laughs> with certain people or you know things like that and then I really have it's kind of obsessive actually but then I have like a metric to look at okay am I prioritizing my life the way that I want to and um and I think you know maybe it's obsessive but it's enabled me it's worked for me and it's enabled me to look at you know if I if I say this is my list of values and this is my priorities and this is how I want to be living am I actually living in accordance with that or am I prioritizing things incorrectly and so that's been a really huge strategy I've started implementing the last couple of years um and obviously you know Sometimes I miss a month or a day or whatever, but I overall having that habit in place has really helped me look at 
how to make my life look the way I want it to, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's so much value in stepping away in observing yourself, Mm -hmm. looking at yourself objectively, you know, oh, what am I actually doing versus what am I telling myself I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're so good at like, you know, kind of not being honest with ourselves. Oh, yeah. When there's so many distractions, there's so many things that so many ways we can fool ourselves. There's so many things we can distract ourselves with. And, you know, a lot of them are valid things and some of them not so much, but, you know, a lot of, there's just so many distractions and it's so hard to sometimes just shut it all down and go to bed or shut it all down and go on the date you should go on, honestly, (laughs) or or just spend that time, you know, sometimes it's good to just lay in bed and stare at the fan. Like why, you know, why does every second have to be booked doing something? You know, I think that's a lesson I've really learned is to, to really make time to rest and to see that as just as important. Have you been in a place where that was not something even in your life where you're just, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In college, I really, um, you know, thought every waking second needs to be on your goal and you can't, you know, and you, I really, I was not sleeping enough. I was not eating enough. I was just not, organized I was just really scatterbrained and not able to focus not able to figure it out and I rest was I'm almost this synonymous with lazy in my mind and I think a lot of us have that mindset where it's like you know you look at it and you don't see it as an active proactive step rest you see it as this lazy oh think of all the other things I could have been doing with that time and being really proactive about it has really helped me to actually be able to do more and to do those things better. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard because sometimes you have to say no to really good opportunities or really good, fun sounding things, but, and, you know, and sometimes you will, <laughs> but to, to be able to work that into your schedule and into your life and prioritize it and unashamedly just sometimes be like, no, no, I have big plans today. I am spending all day in bed <laughs> and kind of make light of it and not, you know but but actually getting to the point where that's actually something that I'm okay prioritizing when I need to yeah um and I you know I if I'm doing if I have a more balanced schedule I don't really need to spend the whole day in bed but in stretches of time extended stretches of time where it's like months I don't have a day off and I'm just go 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 it's like it'll catch up to me. (laughs) If I don't spend half a day in bed or something, it'll, it'll catch up. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think there's seasons for that, right? Like there's seasons where you are going to be doing more than say another season, Mm -hmm. just like you were prepping for your race, right? Like it was insane. You know, you were running yoga-ing, strength training, Mm -hmm. doing a million pull-ups. I had Kira do like a hundred pull-ups one day. I was just like, go do a hundred. Every Tuesday, hundred pull-up workouts, which I'm still doing just because uh, I want to maintain that strength. But yeah, for like months, hundred pull-up, maybe like two months, but (laughs) still plural. Yeah. Pull-up workouts, which I'd finish doing one at a time because I was so exhausted, but. Right. Yeah. 
But I think, you know, and now you're on the other end of that and you finished the race. And I remember you said to me when you were done, you know, within maybe six hours of being done with this race, Kira comes up to me. She's like, so yeah, I don't have anything like planned next. (laughs) And and I'm like, oh my God, this is so, this is hilarious. Like, this is also like, oh, what's next? Okay. Okay. You know? And she's like, yeah, I just like ran 30 miles, like no big deal. I'll hide in Sweden up a mountain in the snow and it's frigid and yeah. uh, What's next? You know? I do. I do think it's important to always have goals that you're striving for. Um, and to always set them, set them so that they're, they're going to be a challenge, that they're going to make you grow. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting, uh, month, just, I don't think it's even, no, it's been about a month, almost exactly. Um, mm-hmm. just really trying to get some more sleep and relax and <laughs> not stress my body out quite as much as I was in preparation for Sweden. Hell yeah. I think the, one of the big things, one of the big takeaways from just meeting you, like being able, I can say it from a coach's perspective, like seeing someone that's super coachable, but also like so free and driven, like, you know, you were, you had that before you met me, you know, like you already had the drive in you. And so I think part of that comes from having clear goals. And last year at this time we sat down, we met at a coffee shop and we wrote down, or actually I should say you wrote down all the races and all the things you wanted Mm -hmm. to do every month, January, February, March, April, you know, through the entire year. And you give me this piece of paper. You're like, okay, like I have this thing. (laughs) You know, you give me the piece of paper and there's like eight races on it, you know, half are marathons, half are ultra marathons. There's a few 24 hour races on it. I'm like, holy shit, this girl is cray cray and I love it, you know? And she's a superhuman. Like, I don't expect anyone to go and do ultra marathons or run marathons the amount that she does, but that's her thing, right? Like, that's something that's, you know, drives her and like makes her, makes her her. And so- It's exciting. It's just the thing that speaks to me. Yeah. And And I can- it's just, it's, it's always something that's spoken to me is the long, even though I didn't start it till a couple years ago, but it's always been something that I've always found really fun and exciting and interesting. Yeah. So like, I think that's the point, right? Like you keep doing it and you keep setting goals and you keep achieving them and wanting to get better and better because you actually like it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And your life is like good. And I can, I can see it in you. Like you have a joy and a happiness in you. And that's part of also the reason why I wanted to like talk to you and share this with everyone, because it's not something that people have often is like, you know, they have goals, but they're like, why do I even want the goal? Or like, "Eh, eh," you know, like, then maybe you should change the goal. Exactly. Because there's going to be, you're going to hit I have sort of a mentor of mine who would always talk about the U-shaped interest curve and you start off so excited. This is so great. This is so fun. And then you slowly go to the bottom of the U and you're like, this is awful. Why did I decide to do this? And then you go back up and you're like, all right, this is so fun. And then you kind of, you have multiple U-shaped interest curves all the time. But if it's more of just a bottom plateau constantly, maybe it's the wrong goal. (laughs) Yeah. And because you will hit the bottom of the U-shaped index curve no matter what goal or dream you're chasing. But if you can't 
get out like you're that that's inevitable the bottom of the u-shaped interest curve is inevitable but if it's not something that even excited you when you set the goal if it was someone else's goal that you thought you should be doing or if it's something that just wasn't actually exciting to you then maybe it's not the right goal (laughs) yeah and I think that that like understanding and even seeing that only happens when you can get still and Mm -hmm. be with yourself and create the goals in the first place yeah and you know like I think we've all had a goal right like you set it you're working on it and then you realize like I actually freaking hate this like this sucks it's not enjoyable anymore but you almost feel guilty for not pursuing like finishing whatever Mm -hmm. the thing was because you feel like you should and I think there's a lot to be said for holding yourself accountable and finishing things out um you know, like if you said, I'm going to get, if, if it had like a time frame and you said you could commit to three months or something, you know, finish out the three months and maybe you don't have to renew the three months later or something. But it's, it's a balance because on the one hand, you, you want to hold yourself accountable. And that I think is huge in your relationship with yourself is if you set a goal and you do everything you can to finish it, but then also knowing when to, I don't, quitting, I don't know if I like that word, but knowing when to reevaluate and change the goals because what you thought was going to work, you know, and this is again, the metaphor of obstacle course racing is that I failed plenty of obstacles in races and, um, and just being, you know, reevaluating the monthly self meetings that I do are reevaluating constantly. Like, did I set the right goals? Did I achieve this? Is still something, you know, but looking at it and finding the balance between holding yourself accountable, but also knowing when you need to change course and set a new goal. Yeah. I think too, with, with goal setting also comes, um, the expectations. So (laughs) if you create a goal with a certain set of expectations, it may just be that you have to let go of those expectations of maybe it's time constraint. Like, oh, I want to be able to run my 24-hour race and, and, and do this many miles. Mm-hmm. But you can't always control that. Like, there's going to be things that happen. And so yeah. it may be more of, maybe the goal is still the same, but the way that you approach it, you know, is way, is much different. Mm-hmm. And see it as, okay, I'm going to show up and do the best I can every day. Yeah. If something's- and that's all you can ask of yourself. Yeah is if you can say at the end of the day, I genuinely gave it everything I had, then that's a good day. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, you know, but some days you just, you have to really evaluate it. You have to look at it and say, okay, maybe I didn't get as far as I wanted or accomplish as much as I wanted to today, but did I give it everything I had today? Yeah. And that to me is the, the meter you should hold yourself accountable to. Isn't so much the, did I get here? Did I do this? But like, did I actually do, you know, because the ice baths, for example, Mm-hmm. I tried so hard. I went to a cryotherapy place. I looked it up in advance. I, the hours they said it was going to be open. I got there. It was closed and I took a lift there. So I spent like $40. I mean, it was ridiculous. I spent like $40 on a lift on the whole day, just trying to get to the place coming back. And I couldn't like find another place. And I don't know why I couldn't drive there, but I couldn't, I don't think I had a car that day. And I said, okay, I'm still taking an ice bath because I need to train. And so I gathered all the ice in the house and dumped it in the bathtub. And it was not as cold as maybe it would have been, but there was nothing else I could have done that day. So I was pleased with that because I, I sat in the ice bath for the 20 minutes and I told myself I would. And 
it was cold. It maybe wasn't as cold, but it was cold. And it was, I couldn't have done, I don't know how I could have done anything different. So, yeah. and being okay with that saying, okay, I, I genuinely don't know what I could have done. It's 50 degrees outside. I need ice. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I don't know what else I could have done. And in that type of scenario, being okay with, okay, it's plan B, but we're going to make it work. And I'm going to be okay with, with that for today. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And I think also like part of it is like funny, you know, like it's oh, yeah. not taking it, like not taking your goals so seriously. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, you can make this goal and you're like, God, I gotta do it. And then something happens and you get so hard on yourself, but it's like, yeah. you know, like, it's okay. Like it's all good. And I think what you were saying, um, about freaking out before the race and then yeah. you got on the plane and you're like, it's going to be okay. Like that feeling of it's all good. You know, like we're just here on earth for a short amount of time and just trying to have fun and do the best we can. And yeah. if you're doing that, then you're doing it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And realizing what are the goals really there for? You know, and for me, they're really there to help me grow and to learn and to be better. And I think that's, you know, why are we setting a particular goal in the first place? What meaning is it going to be bringing to your life? Yeah. And it's yours. So it doesn't matter if someone else has like bigger goals or different goals, like your goals for your, they're for you. So you get to decide what they are and how they are and how you're going to, how they're going to play out in your life. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. I just made it up. <laughs> Talking like that shit. <laughs> so um, for everyone listening, what would you, what are some words of, I mean, you've just literally given us so much advice and it's so great getting a little chance to sneak in, inside your brain and your head. Um, but for everyone listening, if they're struggling with goal setting um, or just accomplishing the things that they want to accomplish, what would you recommend um, that they start doing? Break it down. Um, you know, my goal was to run my goal. It's actually, so my goal last year was to run 60 miles, which I obviously did not do. And this year, my goal was just to be out there the whole time and changing that goal was was key I think to my success this year because I did my goal I was out there and um and I think breaking it down so you can't really always constantly be looking at the 24 hours I'm in the cold for 20 you break it down to this lap or this obstacle or this particular burpee just one more burpee one more step and breaking it down into something more manageable and looking at you know, the, the multi-step problem of all these goals into celebrating each step on the way to that goal and not only at the final outcome. Mm. And really, I think rewarding yourself more so for the effort than for the outcome, because a lot of things are outside of your control. If there had been a storm and they pulled everyone off the mountain, I couldn't have finished this race no matter how prepared I'd been. And, but I try, you know, I would have tried until they pulled me off. And so, or until I got like an injury, you know what I mean? Like I would have tried till they pulled me off, whatever that looked like. So I think breaking it down. So the way, when I goal set, I have 
any, I have a list of like any crazy idea that like looks fun or sounds fun. I write them down and I have them, but those aren't goals. Those are like crazy ideas that may be goals. And then I have long-term goals, short-term goals, and then the like daily schedule, which is essentially the long, the short-term goals, but breaking it down into what steps you're going to take towards that goal today or this week or this month. And occasionally taking a step back to look at the whole picture and like the whole long-term goals or the whole long-term plan, but focusing the majority of your time and effort in the short term today. Like what steps and goals am I going to take today to get there? And then letting go and just doing it and stop thinking so much about, okay, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I'm just saying, okay, I'm here. I'm doing this. I'm getting this task done or I'm enjoying this process here and most of the time when you do that you'll take a step back and be like oh this isn't so bad you know if you look at this and you say whatever your goal is six months out and you're oh my gosh I have to do so much in six months and how am I ever going to do it but then if you look at today's workout and then you break down even further you have to do one push-up okay this one push-up isn't so bad and then it's just a cycle that's repeated and then before you know it the six months is out and you're further than you thought you'd be um so yeah, I don't know, just breaking it down into something smaller and manageable. Yeah. I think what you touched upon is so powerful. And um, I think we often overestimate what we can accomplish in a day and mm-hmm. underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. I love that. Because, I love that. Yeah. You know, you break when you break things down exactly the way that you said, you'll see that it's actually very possible, but you mm-hmm. have to have the plan. Right? Yeah. You have to have the goal. And then you have to reverse engineer the goal mm-hmm. by making a plan. Yeah. I love that, that. The goal is a dream, right? Like you never yeah. actually achieve it. So I think, you know, for, for you listeners, it's a matter of like getting clear with yourself. Like, what do you want? You know, like what actually is speaking to you? What's, what are you not doing right now that you want to do? Or how are you not showing up in life? that you want to show up or, you know, maybe it's a financial goal. Like how much money do you want to make and why are you not making it? And then breaking that down, just like budgeting, you know, if you want to save a hundred dollars, if you just say, Oh, I want to save a hundred dollars, but you never make a plan to save the hundred dollars or you still always want to save a hundred dollars. But if you're like, I want to save a hundred dollars, I'm going to put away $1 a day, a hundred days, you'll have a hundred dollars. Yeah. So simple, but cause it is, it's just, you tend to, I think overcomplicate it or let that fear like we were talking about at the start just totally prevent us from even making the plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so I actually after, or yeah, I think it was after college, maybe during college at some point I took a time management class and that really changed everything for me in how to get organized and how to plan. Cause that was not something I was <laughs> good at. Yeah. And I had all these ideas and goals that I wanted to accomplish, but I didn't know how to plan or like how to create a course of action to put that goal into something that I could actually into a format that I could reach. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And yeah, I think that for me was huge taking a time management class and then applying what I'd learned in it Right. was really key. Um, I was going to say something, but I can't remember. Um, if it comes back up, you yeah. can <laughs> pass it out. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm so happy that we were able to connect and like do this because yeah, me too. we have been on quite the ride. It's been yeah. two years of 
you just doing awesome shit and uh, <laughs> me bragging about you, you know, and Thanks. also me and being inspired by you. I think like you and all of my clients, uh, you guys all inspire me to be better. And like, you know, you hold me accountable to like do cool shit too. <laughs> and it's a two way street. And I think it's, it's important to share that with everyone because just because I was your coach, you know, doesn't mean like I'm any better or ahead. It's just having someone to help you see your blind spots, you know, having mm-hmm. someone to help you plan or to prepare more or to have you get real with yourself. I think yeah. it all comes down. And to I that. think that's really when it comes down to it, you have to be honest with yourself in every way. Um, Cause at some point your body's not going to be able to lie to you anymore. <laughs> It'll tell you if you can keep going the way you've been going. Um, and, you know, being honest with yourself about the goals that you want to set, if they're really goals you want to set. And then being honest with yourself that if you've broken it down in a, a good way, in a realistic way, that you show up to the workout or you show up to the meeting or whatever it is, even if you really don't want to go. I mean, I felt physically sick on my way to the airport to go to Sweden. I felt I was so nervous. I felt sick. And I was like, that's fine. You just have to go. <laughs> and you're, you know, holding yourself accountable once you've made that plan, even if it's unpleasant, because at points it's going to be unpleasant and at points it's going to be awesome. And you're going to be so grateful you made yourself do it. Yeah. But, you know, but really being really honest with yourself. Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up, but I think that's mm-hmm. exactly what you said is like, you have to have those little mini pep talks with yourself and yeah. remind yourself. Oh, I'm very into pep talks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you have to tell yourself it's going to be okay because all we are are adult little kids, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're just little kids walking around with shit from our childhood. And mm-hmm. so when you're scared, it's just the little version of you being scared. So you yeah. want to really talk to that little kid of you, like, it's going to be okay. I'm not dying. Like, I'm good. I just got to do the next thing, which is what you were talking about. I just got to get on the plane. I just got to go take my seat. I just got to get yeah. the water. I just got to get off the plane. I got to get my 40 pound backpack, you know, like one thing at a time Yeah. and trusting that you do this one little thing at a time, step by step, day by day, those days are going to pass and yeah. you accumulate all of these things that you've done or you, you know, that you've worked on. And it's very powerful when you just kind of take it literally one step at a time being super present and reminding yourself it's going to be okay. Yeah, it is. Whatever it is, it's always, it's always going to be okay. Yeah. As, um, I don't know if you know Marie Forleo, but she, she's an entrepreneur. She uh-huh. has a book called everything is figure outable. And that uh-huh. is her saying, and I love it because yeah. no matter what happens, I think it's just a matter of believing that you can get through it. You know, yeah. you always have, and you're here, and yeah. that means you always will. We're all still here. What a feat that is, you know? Right? <laughs> I think that all the times all of us have avoided catastrophe. Yeah. We're all still here. <laughs> you made it. You guys did it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been so great, Kara. I'm so glad we were able to connect and make it happen and share all of these wins and life lessons with everyone about goal setting and just being the best you can be. I mean, God, one day I know this, I know you're going to be on stage talking, you're going to be sharing your story. And, um, I'm just, I'm so blessed to have been a part of it and to still be in your life. You know, it's like, so I'm so grateful. I've had you in my life. I've really, um, just wouldn't even recognize myself the me of 10 years ago to now just the growth I've had and especially the last two years I mean it's really been 
a lot of growing for me in the past decade, so. <laughs> growing pains are good pains. But, yeah, absolutely. I love it. But it was so good to catch up with you. Yes, and hopefully, you guys, this episode was super helpful, um, and I will be posting a link to Kira's Facebook page. You can go stalk her photos from Sweden if you want to see her, because she's just such, such a badass. Um, and she was running the Spartan race. So if you guys are interested in Spartan, I'm sure that you would love to answer any questions. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely forward any questions my way. I can talk about gear, preparation, anything, anything yeah. like that. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time and being on the podcast. I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks. I'm so excited. <laughs> and, uh, we will talk soon. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.